If you'd like to follow along this morning, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. This comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus has, has spoken some very profound messages. We sing Bible school songs uh, about this verse, but uh, it's very important finish to the words Jesus has shared with the people. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I just want to encourage you real quick, as somebody that has grown up in this church, and I see the love and the support everywhere I go, because a lot of times I'll be asked to go to a smaller congregation that might have 25 people, and then I'll show up and there's about 60. It's because of this church family. So if you don't have a church family, or you're looking for one, I would encourage you to stick around and know these people, because they are the most loving and encouraging and supportive people you'll ever meet. So I just want to start with that. If you have your Bibles, open there to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today, here in Matthew chapter 7. I don't know if you can see this picture very well. Does anybody know what this place is? Uh, Last spring, you might remember that I was able to go over to the country of Italy for a week. This is a town of Pisa. In Pisa, you'll see here the first building is the baptistry. And then the next building is the cathedral. And then right behind it, you'll see this little small tower. That is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, this picture was taken, there's this huge gate that goes into the city, and I'm standing there because the picture doesn't do it justice. Because the tower should be straight up behind the cathedral. You should never see it except for the very top of it if you're looking from the gate. But it's leaning so bad that you can see almost the entire thing from the gate. This is a close, closer picture. The Leaning Tower of Pisa took over 300 years to build. And after five years, it was started construction in 1173. And by the year 1178, the tower had already leaned this much. And they had just started building the second story. Why was it leaning so much? Everybody was wondering... Why would they start building something and then it would lean this much? It was because the foundation was on soft ground. Jesus tells us here in this passage that there's two types of people in this world. You're going to have people that are going to have a solid foundation, one that's made of concrete or on a rock. And you're going to have others that are just on sand. I know that's a picture and they haven't put the concrete in there, but just think with me. Um, They're going to have a foundation. Some of you, if you're like me whenever you're younger, might not know what a foundation is. We built a house a couple years ago and we'd go to the, the site every day and we'd start looking at what the construction workers had done. And we showed up one day and I said, Mom and Dad, look, a maze for me to run through. They said, no, son, that's the foundation. The foundation is the most important part of your house. If your foundation is not level, if it is not solid, the house will not stand. So this morning, I want us to look at three things from this text that we have read and we're going to read here in a second. Of First off, a rocky foundation. And the second thing is a sure storm. And finally, an unavoidable outcome. 
Because it's interesting to me, as Mr. Don said, that this passage comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had just got done telling His disciples and the crowds that were gathered together the, the most incredible sermon that you'll ever hear. He just talked about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble, blessed are the pure. And He goes on and tells them about being the salt and the light. He tells them about keeping the whole law. He even goes on and talks about anger, lust, divorce, vows, revenge, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, fasting, money, worry, judging. He talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. And then he goes on and finishes up talking about how to get to heaven and the fruit of your life. And he's told them all of these things and he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount with these three verses. And I want us to read that and I want us to discover the importance of why Jesus would wrap up this Sermon on the Mount this way. Starting in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus paints this picture for us. And He lets us know first off that there's two types of people in this world. There's wise and there's foolish. And, he's, and these people have just heard His words and He says, you're either going to do one of two things. You're either going to hear the Word and do something about it, or you're going to hear the Word and you're going, you're going, to, going to ignore it. And there's, there's such contrast in this story, but in all actuality, these two men have a lot in common. They've both heard the Word. That's the first thing. They've both heard the Word. This morning, if you're here, you're going to hear the Word. And I'm sure many of you have already heard the Word. So to start your foundation on the rock or in the sand, it's going to be up to you. But what I'm wanting us to get to is these characteristics of what a foolish man's foundation looks like and a wise man's foundation. And we're going to look at the characteristics real quickly, and then at the end we're going to apply them. So what does a, a wise man's foundation look like? A wise man's foundation is first based on faith. Hebrews 11, chap- Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us this, that now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. If I'm a wise man and I'm wanting to build my foundation on God, on the rock, the first thing I have to have is faith. If I do not have faith, if I do not believe and I do not have complete assurance and confidence that there is a God and that He sent His Son, I will not stand. That is the first part of being on the rock is having faith. Not only having faith, but you also have to have love. Faith and love go hand in hand in the Christian life. We'll read in, in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, if you want to flip there. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. And the Pharisee asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the entire law? And this is how Jesus responds. Verse 36, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I have faith in God if I'm on the rock. 
Not only do I have faith in God, I love God. I know that God loves me and I have love for Him. Everything in my mind, everything in my heart and my soul longs for God. Because if I love God, I'm going to trust God. And that's important whenever a storm comes, is trusting God. The foundation of a wise man has faith and it has love. And the next thing, and one thing that is vital in having your foundation in the rock is being selfless. The foundation of a wise man is selfless. Luke 9 verse 23, you'll see Jesus talking to His disciples. And and Jesus says, If anyone desires to follow Me, let him deny himself and carry his cross daily and follow Me. To be founded in the rock, i got to understand it's not about me. It's not about me. A few years ago, the youth group took a missions trip to Atlanta. And I wasn't able to go that year. But I remember them coming back and saying this saying. You might remember it with me. They came back and the theme for that week was it's not about you, it's not about me, it's all about God. And whenever I can say that, that foundation is going to hold me strong. Because our foundation is what holds everything else up when storms come. And finally, the the last thing about the foundation of a wise man is that it's based in hope. It's based in hope. One of my new favorite texts in the entire Bible is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting there in verse 16. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. If I am founded in the rock, I do not see today, I do not see tomorrow. I do not see next week, I do not see next month. I don't even see next year. I see eternity. I see heaven. Whenever I am on the rock and I am founded in the rock, I see eternity. And that keeps me going on and keeps me pressing through. So that's what the foundation on the rock looks like, the wise man. So what about the foolish man? What does the foolish man that is founded in the sand look like? Well, it's a lot more simple. It's first off based in itself. Proverbs 28, Proverbs 28, verse 36, verse 26, excuse me, says this, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. A foundation on the sand is based in yourself. And not only is it based in yourself, it's based in the here and the now. It's based in the here and the now. Every, I can only see today. Now the person on the rock can see eternity, but the person that is in the sand can only see today, can only see tomorrow, can only see next week. A little bit earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, If you come to Matthew chapter 6, starting there in verse 19, Jesus is going to talk about where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And He's encouraging the people and telling them to not found yourself in this world. 
Because in this world, moth and rust is going to destroy. But the person that is founded on the sand, that is not founded on the rock, is going to pursue the things of this world. So I ask you, are you pursuing something else this morning that is not God? Are you pursuing something else that's not God this morning? What are you putting your trust in? Is it your hobbies? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? What gets you through the day? Another way, instead of saying foundation, you could say, what is your motivation? What keeps you going? What is your fuel? Because if it's not the rock, if it's something else, I want you to learn today, I want us to learn today that it is absolutely important to be in the rock. Because storms are going to come. Storms are going to come. That's the next point this morning, is a sure storm. A sure storm. Let's read verse 27, or 25 and 27 there in Matthew 7. Every time I've read this passage studying for this morning, these two verses hit me in the face every time and stick out like a sore thumb. And I hope it sticks out to you because it's so interesting how Jesus puts this phrase. Verse 25, And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Verse 27, And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say it's important for you to have your foundation either in the rock because the winds might come, the rains might come, the floods might come. Jesus says, the rains descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house. We are going to face storms. There is no getting around it. Storms are going to happen in your life. You might have death. You might have sickness. You might have illness. You might have cancer. You might have a disease. You might have a disorder. You might lose a a friendship. You might get fired. You might get laid off. I know I'm not necessarily the greatest person to be standing up here and telling you about storms because I'm only 18 and I haven't been through many. But I'm telling you what the Lord says in this passage. He says, storms are going to come. And if your foundation is not in the rock, you are going to fall. It is important to realize that storms are going to come. Because whenever I realize that storms are going to come, I'm going to start building on something. And I hope for my life it's going to be on the rock. Now why would God let storms happen in life? This is where we get the good good to bad and the bad to worse. If you'll read in the book of Genesis, starting in verse 35, you're going to read that, this is me paraphrasing by the way, that God looked around and He saw what He had created on the sixth day and He said, it is good. Can you imagine living in the Garden of Eden? That's a time when there was no storms on this earth. Man walked with God. There was no labor. There was no toil. Everything was perfect. Then you go on down a few chapters to Genesis chapter 3 and you see this little serpent slither up to the scene. And that's when storms come into play. The devil tempts Eve and says, if you'll take of this fruit, you'll just be like him. He doesn't want you like him. So they take of the fruit and they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. That's a storm. Can you imagine living in perfect harmony with God, walking hand in hand with Him, and God saying, you have to leave. You have to leave. You have no option. You're going. 
Can you, be, can you imagine being kicked out of perfect harmony and peace with God, security, food? They were kicked out. That's a storm. And then if we go on a little bit further into the New Testament, Romans 3.23, bad things get a little bit worse because not only did storms just happen for Adam and Eve and one man, whenever that one sin entered the world, storms entered for the entire world. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the storms of this world, the devil is no respecter of men. He's going to hit everyone. And Jesus makes it important to point out at the end of this sermon, if you're on the rock, you will stand. If you're on the sand, you will fall. And not only do we have Scripture and Jesus telling us that storms are going to happen, if we look in His Word, we'll notice that just about everybody that is in this book has faced some sort of storm. And I want, I want to give you some examples of this because it's very interesting and comforting to know that I'm not the only one that's going through storms. Like we just said, Adam and Eve went through a storm. You also have Noah. Can you imagine Noah's storm? Not only did he face a literal storm of a flood coming, he saw the greatest massacre that had ever happened. I don't know if you technically want to call it a massacre because God decided to start over. But everything was wiped out. The cute little nursery scene we paint on the wall, that is a murder scene. Can you imagine that storm? Look at Abraham. Abraham was asked to kill his one true son. Can you imagine, you fathers in the room, being told to take your son and, put, and bind him up and put him on a bundle of sticks and raise a knife over his head and kill him for the Lord? That's a storm. Now me and Dad were talking last night. Look at Isaac's point of view. Isaac was the one that was bundled up and put on the sticks and the knife was raised above him and started to come down until an angel of the Lord stopped. I said, Dad, I don't know how I'd, re- how I'd respond if you did that to me. There would be some conflicts there. That's a storm. That's a storm. Go a little bit further. You have Jonah. None of these are in order. Jonah should have came earlier, sorry. You have Jonah. He spent three days and nights in the belly of a, of a fish. Can you imagine that? Being lost in a ship. Go on, you have Moses. He was chased by the Egyptian army. You have David. He was hunted by Saul. That's a storm. You have Judas who realized that he was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. That's a storm. What did Judas do? He hung himself. Where was his foundation? You have Peter. He realized that he had denied Christ three times. He had guilt. That's a storm. Guilt's a big storm. A lot of us, a lot of us face. Stephen, he was killed for the gospel. That's a storm. Paul, there's a list of everything that Paul's been through in 2 Corinthians. He's been through shipwrecks. He's had lashes. He's been in prison. That's a storm. And finally, the biggest example of a storm in the Bible I can think of is a man named Jesus. Jesus was an innocent man. And He was hung on a cross for the greatest storm that anyone in this world could ever face. That's the storm of sin. Let me tell you this morning that if you found yourself in the rock, you don't have to worry about this storm because Christ took care of it. He took the cross and He rose again. 
so we don't have to worry about this storm. Because storms are going to come and they're going to hit us hard. It's going to beat on our house. But if we are in the rock, you don't have to worry about this storm because Jesus took care of it for you. Alright? So find yourself in the rock. Found yourself in the rock. Because storms are going to come. And based on your foundation will determine your unavoidable outcome. If you would go to the next slide, please. The storms of life are going to come. But Jesus tells us there in verse 25 about the wise man. At the end of verse 25 in Matthew 7, you'll read, And it did not fall. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. So the wise man who has heard the Word of God and he has founded himself in, the, in Christ, in the Lord, and he has these things like faith and love and selflessness and hope in his life, has weathered the storm. He has made it through. How come? Let's look at how those things apply. Those four things apply to weathering the storm. Like we said earlier, faith. I have faith in God. But not only do I just have this faith... I have faith that God's going to stay true to His promises. I have faith that God is going to stay true to what He says in His inspired Word. Romans 8.28 is a verse that we all know very well. So let's turn there and let's read that. Romans 8.28 Whenever I'm found in the rock, this verse is not just words. This is a reality for me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. When I am founded in the rock and storms come my way, I know that it's going to be okay. I know that I'm going to make it through. Now don't hold me to it that you're going to make it through in this life because I can't promise you that. Stephen was killed. Jesus was killed. Look at the men in the Bible. This life might not have worked out for them. But they were in the rock. And what did I say at the end about hope? They had eternity in their eyes. And it worked out in the end because of the cross. All things will work out. Let me ask you this question. Would you rather it work out on this earth or in eternity? Because it's going to work out if you found yourself in the rock in eternity for you. I have faith in God's promises. Last week we were at Horizons and the theme verse for it was in Isaiah 43. If you want to turn there, we're going to read that verse. Isaiah 43. This is another promise of God that should give us strength whenever storms come our way and help us find ourselves in the rock. But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame torch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Whenever I am in the rock, I am God's. And God says, I will be with you each and every step of the way. 
God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. And He will see us through until the end. When I am in the rock, I will not be moved because my God is not moved. When I am in the rock, I will not be moved because my God is not moved. So how else does the wise man weather the storm? He has that love. We said earlier in Matthew 22 about how we are to love God with everything we have. But not only do I love God in the foundation of Christ, I know that God loves me. It's very important whenever weathering storms to know that God loves you. We read verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now put your name in there. Alright? For God so loved Dustin. For God so loved Miss Emily. For God so loved Barry. He gave His only Son. Whenever storms come my way, I'm okay. Because I have God's blood. I don't have to worry about this storm. And this is the biggest storm you will ever face. If you don't learn anything else, or if you don't get anything else out of this, I hope you hear the Lord saying this this morning. That storms are going to come your way, but if you are in the rock, you don't have to worry about this storm. Because Jesus took care of it. Have faith and have love. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God wants all men to be saved. God loves you enough to send His Son for you. To save you. To see you through until the end. The third thing that the wise man has in his foundation to help him weather the storm is that selflessness. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If I'm going through a storm, I give God the glory. If I'm going through a hardship, I give God the glory. If I'm going through a temptation, I give God the glory. Because He is the only one that is seeing me through it till the end. Because I cannot do it. Only He can. If you will read in 2 Corinthians 12, 6-10, you'll see Paul telling the church there about a struggle he's having. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. And Paul has said, I have pleaded to the Lord three times to take this away from me. But he's responded in this way, My grace is sufficient. Paul goes on and says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If we are in the Lord and on the rock, we boast about our weaknesses. Because whenever we share our weaknesses with each other, we see the power of God. And that strengthens and encourages each one in this room this morning. Because if I know your struggle, and I see how God is getting you through it, I know that He will see me through it. We are gathered together this morning to encourage and uplift and worship. Let's encourage and uplift each other by sharing our struggles. and Letting each other know how God is getting us through. And finally, the wise man is based in hope. Is based in hope. How does hope get you through a storm? Well, we read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 earlier. That's hope. The first six words of that passage says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. You know what that means. Whenever things come my way and the winds blow and beat on my house, I do not give up on God. I don't give up in the rock because only when I'm in the rock will I weather the storm. Don't lose heart. And Paul goes on and he... And it's kind of humorous to think about how Paul writes this. And I wish I could see the way Paul saw. Because he says, Our light afflictions, but which is for a moment. We've all seen the Francis video. I believe Barry showed it one day about the, the red part on the end of the rope. And it goes on and on and on forever. That's a great illustration. Because it puts this life into perspective. Because the wise man sees eternity... We don't get caught up in this light and momentary affliction because it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Be founded in the rock and have love, have faith, have selflessness, and have hope. Because when the storms come, if we're on the rock, we will stand. Now Jesus said there was two types of people in this world. They both had heard the Word. They both had foundations. They both went through storms and they both have outcomes. So what about the guy that's in the sand that's trusting in himself and that's trusting in the here and the now? Well, he falls. If you read verse 27, it says that he fell and great was his fall. When we trust in ourselves, I have no one to lean on but myself. The leaning tower of Pisa took 300 years to build. Now, during... That 300 years, there was two times that they were at war, so they had to halt construction. And there was a 100-year period that no construction happened on the Tower of Pisa. And they said that if, if they had continued, the tower would have fell sooner. But also today, people still go up in the Tower of Pisa because it's been reinforced. Whenever we were walking by it, I wanted to stay as far away from it as I could because I didn't trust the reinforcements. Because I'm just leaning over, it looks almost like a 45, but it's not that much. But if we are by ourselves on the sand, we have no reinforcements. There's nothing else that's going to hold me up. If I fall, I fall. Last week we talked about David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you go on a little bit further, starting there in chapter 20, you'll start seeing Saul get jealous of David. Because what would happen is Saul and David would be going into these cities and the women would come out and they'd start dancing and singing with their tambourines and they would start shanting, shouting this chant. Here comes Saul who's killed his thousands. Here comes David who's killed his tens of thousands. And Saul got jealous. And he said, I'm going to kill David. And he told Jonathan this, and Jonathan told David. And after Saul had tried to kill David two times, David went away. And David, trusting himself, goes to Nob. And at Nob, he meets with the high priest, Amalek. And Amalek, he knocks on Amalek's door, and Amalek opens the door, and he's like, David, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here? Because David was alone. Now, David being alone is the equivalent to President Obama coming through those doors right now, walking by himself. That would never happen. He's going to have guards. He's going to have paparazzi. He's going to have his caravan outside. 
David shows up at Amalek's door all alone. And he says, Amalek, I'm on a mission uh, from, from Saul. It's a private mission. Nobody really knows about it. And I was in such a hurry, I forgot to bring food. And Amalek says, you, you forgot to bring food? How do you forget to bring food? He says, well, I was in such a hurry. So do you have any bread for me? And Amalek says, well, I don't have any bread you can have. I have the holy bread, which is 12 um, loaves of bread. And David says, well, Saul will understand. The king will understand because this is for his work and for the Lord's work. So, so give it to me. So Amalek gives him the bread. And then David says, oh, by the way, I was in such a hurry, I forgot to grab my sword. Now remember, David is a great soldier. is a great fighter. And he says, I forgot, to, I forgot to grab my sword. Do you, do you happen to have a sword for me? And Amalek says, the only sword I have here is Goliath's sword who you killed yourself. David said, well, there's no sword like it, so give it to me. And David runs off and hides. Saul in behind David, comes up to Amalek and said, was David here? And Amalek says, yes, you sent him here. Amalek's the innocent bystander. He's so confused as to what's going on. And Saul says, I didn't send him here. Did you help him? And Amalek says, yes, I helped him. If I wouldn't have helped him, you would have killed me. And Saul says, well, I'm after him and I'm going to kill David, so I'm going to kill you for helping him. And because David came to the city of Nob and Amalek helped him, the entire city was destroyed. When we trust in ourselves, we fall and those around us fall. But later on in David's life, you'll see whenever Absalom is trying to take over Jerusalem. David has a decision to face. He can either stay in Jerusalem and fight for the city, or he can leave and let God take care of it. And David leaves. Absalom takes the city, and God takes care of it. You see a change in David's life. You see a change in his foundation. So I ask you this morning... Where is your foundation? Because we've all heard the Word. We all have a foundation. We're all going to face storms. But it's up to us where our outcome will be. In 1992, many of you will probably remember this, Hurricane Andrew through southern Florida. And they say that scene was like a war zone. Nothing was left standing but one home. There was one home in the midst of all this destruction and chaos that was left standing. And all the reporters were so confused why one home was spared and one home was still standing. So they go up to the homeowner and they say, Sir, you look around and nothing else is left standing. Why is your house the only one that was spared? He says, It wasn't spared. I built this house myself. And when I built it, I built it to the Florida State Code. When they said use two by six trusses on the roof, I used two by six trusses on the roof. And they said if you build a home in Florida, according to code, it can withstand a hurricane. And it did. If you build your home, your house, and your foundation on the Lord, when storms come and chaos and everything around you looks like a war zone, we will stand. Because when I am found in the rock, I am not moved because my God is not moved. 
If you have a need this morning and your foundation is in the sand, you need it to be in the rock, or you're ready to start your walk with the Lord. If you need prayers of the church, whatever your need is, be known as we stand, as we sing.